Good evening. This is Archbishop James Salisbury of the African Orthodox Church, the Church of Simon the Cyrenian. Welcome to this Easter Vigil 2020. This evening, as we come to you, this will probably be the first time I can possibly imagine that uh, I'm really uh, not in the church 
uh, I'm celebrating this at home, and uh, like so many of you, and maybe it feels, I feel God's presence all around me, but I, I miss everybody else. Because on this night, you know, it's very special. We meet at night with the anticipation of the resurrection uh, first thing. And the interesting part of it is that there's several things that we do um, for Easter. For instance, we light the fire outside of the church. The sanctuary is dark. We light the candle and their prayers said and so forth. And we take the candle, light it into the church. And it's really a candle light beginning because from that light, everyone has a candle and they light their candle. Once in the church, the baptismal font is full of water. We take the candle and we plunge it into the water three times in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Plunging it into the water represents light giving life to the water which we use for baptism, which we use for sprinkling and so forth. But it is representing the male reproductive organ plunging into the female reproductive organ organ, which brings forth light. We've been doing this for 2,000 years. A lot of the things, we have symbols that continue to go on and enhance the celebration of what we are doing. And so, once everyone has gathered in, that particular ceremony takes place. And, of course, the uh, the water's blessed. There's a bit of sprinkling of salt and oil of chrism into the water. And uh, the priest makes the sign of the cross in it with that. But remember, that oil of chrism was consecrated on Holy Wednesday when we consecrate all of the oil that's going to be used for this coming year in the church. So, one thing leads right into another, and it's very beautiful. So, not being at the church to fulfill that, um, it feels a little strange, but I'm looking for better days. Let us begin.
Let us pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen, Amen, Amen. The Lord is in his holy temple, let all the earth keep silent before him. Amen, Amen, and Amen. O gracious Father, send thy Holy Spirit to visit and to cleanse our conscience, that we may serve thee with a chaste body and a pure heart. And when thy Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, cometh, may he find in us a dwelling place prepared for him, who liveth and reign with thee in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and ever, and unto ages of ages. Amen, amen, and amen. Blessed be God, blessed be his holy name, blessed be Jesus Christ, true God and true man, blessed be the name of Jesus, blessed be Jesus in his holy sacrament of the altar, blessed be the mother of God, Mary, most holy, blessed be the name of Mary, virgin and mother, blessed be God and his angels and his saints, amen, amen. Amen. As we come together to pray, let us be mindful of the things that we know that we have done wrong. Willingly and intentionally. And let us take time to ask God's forgiveness. You know, this is a time we really need to clean the slate. We really need to give God our full conversation. I often say that. Give God your full conversation. Prayer is a conversation with God and asking Him for forgiveness. And if we are truly sorry for what sins we have done, both those we know we have done and those that we don't know that we have done, we're asking God to clean the slate so our bodies can be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, giving us new energy, new ideas, and more of awareness of His Word and His goodness.
Glory to God on high, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. We praise Thee, we bless Thee, we glorify Thee, we give thanks to Thee for Thy great glory. O Lord God, Heavenly King, God the Father Almighty, O Lord, the only begotten Son, one uh, Son, Jesus Christ, one God who lives and reigns with the Father, that taketh away the sins of the world, have mercy on us. Thou that taketh away the sins of the world, receive our prayers. Thou that sitteth at the right hand of God the Father, have mercy upon us. For thou only art holy, thou only art the Lord, thou only, O Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit, art most high in the glory of God the Father. Amen, amen, and amen. Let us pray. Father, as we come together at this time to hear your word, touch our hearts, our minds, our ears, that we may receive you, Father, as these words leave and cross the rooms through the wind and your hearing, that it touch you to do God's will. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd like to take out your Bibles, our readings come from the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 10, 34 through 43. The Psalms, 118, comes from chapter, uh, it comes from chapter 18, 1 through 17 and then 22 through 24. The epistle, the letters, come from Colossians, third chapter, one through fourth verses. And the gospel from St. John, 20, one through nine. April 12th. 
2020, Easter Sunday of the Resurrection of the Lord. A reading from the Acts of the Apostles. Peter proceeded to speak and said, You know what has happened all over Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. He went about doing good and healing all those oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. We are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. This man God raised on the third day and granted that he be visible, not to all the people, but to us, the witnesses chosen by God in advance, who ate and drank with him, after he rose from the dead. He commissioned us to preach to the people and testify that he is the one appointed by God as judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him will receive forgiveness of sins through his name. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Rejoice and be glad. 
A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Colossians. Brothers and sisters, if then you were raised with Christ, seek what is above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Think of what is above, not of what is on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, your life, appears, then you too will appear with him in glory. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. On the first day of the week, Mary of Magdala came to the tomb early in the morning, while it was still dark, and saw the stone removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved, and told them, They have taken the Lord from the tomb, and we don't know where they put him. So Peter and the other disciple went out and came to the tomb. They both ran, but the other disciple ran faster than Peter and arrived at the tomb first. He bent down and saw the burial cloths there, but did not go in. When Simon Peter arrived after him, he went into the tomb and saw the burial cloths there, and the cloth that had covered his head, not with the burial cloths, but rolled up in a separate place. Then the other disciple also went in, the one who had arrived at the tomb first, and he saw and believed. For they did not yet understand the scripture that he had to rise from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
This evening, uh, just before I share a homily with you, I would like you to consider this. You know, in the same, uh, in this reading from the Gospel, also in Matthew 28, 1 through 10, uh, it talks about the women. But I want you to think about something, because it's very important. You know, in the time of Jesus, women were thought of as second-class citizens. Uh, in the Roman culture, and so forth. And in a lot of cases, uh, baby girls were not valued and, and really not wanted, no more than for to have children. You know, you think about now more than 2,000 years later, we still see this same thing. Abortion of female babies has uh, devastated the female population of some countries. Female babies are often, as I said, not wanted. Should the the greatest announcement in all of human history be made only to men? You know, the leaders of organizations and masters of society that we are? No. God chose to send an angel with an amazing news to a woman first. These women were the first to meet and touch the risen Lord. Jesus delighted in uh, his followers who were women. Even though the, uh, the twelve disciples were chosen as men, there were no doubt that women were to be highly esteemed and highly favored in this revolutionary way uh, in which God is now moving with his church. When we look at this, we have to ask ourselves, do we hold our women here in America in high esteem? It's often painful when I hear uh, young men and, and even women uh, referring to themselves in the degrading terms that we often uh, find ourselves calling women. Today we can follow the example of Jesus, the first Christian and the first Christians by doing all in our power to protect the esteem and honor women. The good news of the resurrection was given to a woman. The good news of the birth of the Savior was given to a woman. The good news at a woman at the well, it was given to a woman. I want you to think about that. Uh, and from these scriptures, God is giving us new insight, new light, new understanding. There are places in this world where women are not cherished. There are places in this world where women can't even drive. Women can't eat at the same time that the men eat. I see this quite often. So I just wanted to put that in to share with you before I give you the homily.
Which Jesus are we expecting? There could be considered two of them. And which one is the one that we're looking for? The first one is the Jesus of Palm Sunday. A time when the whole world seemed to be excited, accepted of who Jesus really was. A Jesus of pomp and circumstance. Of all the things that surround the world, this is the Jesus now that finally the King has arrived, the Messiah, the one we've been waiting for is now here. That's the one that appeals to most of us. The one we understand. The one who seems, in a sense, more real. But there's a Jesus of Easter. This Jesus is incomprehensible. He's hard to understand. Because he didn't die. He came back to life. That doesn't make sense to us. It's beyond our abilities to put the pieces together. Jesus, the Jesus who rose from the dead, is confusing to us because it's not part of our experience, part of our life. We can imagine the roller coaster of the early disciples, how they must have been at this time. On Sunday, the Sunday before, they thought that all their dreams were going to be realized. At long last, this promised Messiah was going to come. It didn't make sense that anything else could be true, that anything else was possible, that finally now Israel was going to be restored as a nation. We are going to be a people of prosperity. Everything was going to happen. That was the Jesus of Palm Sunday. But it turned out to be quite different. It turned to be the Jesus who was unexpected, totally unexpected. No one in their right minds would even dream of the possibility that someone who died could come back to life. Nothing, nothing in our environment would teach us that this was even possible. So they couldn't even comprehend it. Yet that's what we celebrate. We're very much like the people early Easter morning who came to the tomb and found it empty. Empty. What they expected to see didn't take place. And now they're faced with the reality. There must be an explanation. There must be a way of understanding this. But they couldn't. Nothing in their background prepared them to accept this, to understand this. So they stood with their hands out. What? What does this mean? How is this even possible? It must be that someone stole his body. It must be someone did something and took him out of here. But it could never be that he rose from the dead. It wouldn't enter their minds at all. So all they looked for was a reason, a reason why this had taken place, why he wasn't there. It talks about John who came and looked inside the tomb and found it empty. And then he began to comprehend something. He began to understand that it was possible that God would not allow 
this to happen. That God somehow would intervene. He didn't understand the how or the why or any of the circumstances surrounding it. It was just he began to believe. So we're dealing with this idea we talk about that seeing is believing, meaning prove it to me. Then I will believe it. Seeing is believing. But the reality is the opposite. Believing comes first. It comes before understanding. It's prior to understanding. It's realizing that God can and did do this, even though it doesn't make sense. That Jesus conquered death. He came into this world preaching a message of peace and justice and love and care and concern. He did all these things. And yet, the people who heard him heard something different. They changed what he said and changed the message to become something of their own. And so they missed the reality of what was taking place. That there really was a person by the name of Jesus Christ who came into this world and as Peter said in the first reading, all he did was go about and spread a message of peace and love. Love one another was his statement said over and over again that the secret of life is loving one another. The secret of change in this world is love and respect for one another. But seeing is not believing. Real sight, insight into what is really going on takes faith, takes belief. Now, do we see this in our world? I think a good example of this is an event, the Boston Marathon. People are going to relive what took place a year ago. Tens of thousands of people are going to be there and respond to this, this event. Why? What are they saying? Their actions, what, the, what does it mean? It's somewhat the same mystery that we're dealing with when we talk about the empty tomb. It's not empty. He's just there in a different way. These people are coming to Boston to prove that the spirit is alive and that light does conquer darkness. That life is stronger than death. That this world of ours is filled with signs. Signs of God's presence and signs of God's involvement. We see this in many ways. Spring in itself as a season of the year is a season of life, of seeing life begin again, of rejuvenation, of renewal. This is our moment to ponder these truths. We come and we wonder about the tomb being empty. Where is he? Where do we find him? Well, we find him in something like this renewal that's taking place in Boston. It tells us something about life. It tells us something about humanity. It tells us something about God. In the midst of tragedy, what a difference it can make. It's amazing. In a moment, we are going to continue our liturgy here by renewing our baptismal promises. 
the word renewal is important to keep in mind. We say the words again that were repeated for us years ago. We say it again. I believe. Not I understand God. It's I believe in God. I believe in the Spirit. I believe that it's working. I believe that God is alive and well in our world. He's not dead. We just are facing an empty tomb. So we go through this renewal ceremony to rekindle ourselves, to renew ourselves, and renew a sense of promise and hope. Let us pray the creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten not made, not being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Ghost of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried and on the third day he arose again according to the scriptures, ascended into heaven and seated at the right hand of the Father, and he shall come again with glory to judge both the quick and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. And I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceedeth from the Father, who with the Father and the, Ho and with the, Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spake by the prophets, and I believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen, amen, and amen. As we prepare now, we have, in this particular case, the priest's sanctification of the gifts. That means that I have already consecrated the bread and the, the wine for communion. And during that particular time, while it is being consecrated, I'll share with you, let me be your servant.
us pray. Ask the Father to forgive our sins, to bring us into everlasting life. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, now and ever, and unto ages of ages. Amen, amen, and amen. As communion is being distributed, we sing, Taste and See the Goodness of the Lord.
this divine liturgy has ended. The Lord be with you and with your spirit. Let us depart in peace. Receive the blessing. And may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be amongst you and remain with you always. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. And do good. Help somebody.